Call is now being recorded. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) Call is now being recorded. Now it's being recorded. So this is uh, the Tuesday evening podcast with Kevin Brittingham. I've got a couple special guests this week. Ethan Lassard and Tyler Key. <laughs> Tyler uh, Key's going to tell us about working out cigarettes, half marathons, and a wife who's expecting. Ethan's going to talk about oh. <laughs> IPAs, microbrews, burning kids with cigarettes, and punching an eight-year-old when they deserve it. <laughs> I like how this is going already. <laughs> well, hey, I... I, I opened it up for questions on the social media, and we have to get through those first before you can talk about stuff you want to talk about. All right, let's Paul. go, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I like these answers. First question. First caller wants to know when Jessica will be receiving a raise. Well, I prefer double IPAs. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you know... Q was a startup. I funded it myself. I put I put millions of dollars into it, and um, I'm very very proud of the team, the team that I brought. And um, you know, I think it's it's before you started recording when we talked about Ethan being the smart one. You know, he is, but you know, I'm still a boss. Um, everyone here, when they left Sig or Accuracy International or you know, SOCOM, wherever they came from, I didn't ask anyone to take a pay cut, even with startup. You know, I don't receive a paycheck. And I will say this. Um, I value Jessica and her position and what she does. She's probably one of the hardest working people here, if not the hardest working. Jessica Gottman, who you guys can social media stalk, she's real cute. Please send her perverse <laughs> social media messages. She adores that. <laughs> Um, she is the only person here to get a raise when she came here. No one took a pay cut. Everybody got the same pay. Um, I get paid nothing. Jessica got a raise. So Jessica's raise will come after I get a paycheck. So if you want to relay that back to her, that'd be great. Sure. All right. Good. Uh, let's see. Next question. What makes the Honey Badger silencer different from the other cans? That's a good question. Um, it's only different in, in volume. Uh, it's a smaller diameter to fit under the handguard, which we're, we're restricted by the diameter um, because we didn't want to increase the height of the top rail like the HK416 and that ridiculous POF, Pakistani ordinance, or whatever they call themselves now, Patriot ordinance. Um, and that super high top rail, we kept, it's the M4 profile, isn't it, top rail height? Yeah. yeah. So, um, inch and a half SWAT fits in it. Most of our silencers, um, the best silencers in the world, despite what um, Cool Guy Silencer Group and Jesse James claim, uh, are the Q silencers, which are an evolution of the SIG silencers, which are an evolution of the advanced armament silencers. Um, they're inch and three quarters in diameter, but to accommodate the handguard of the Honey Badger, we shrunk it to inch and a half, which when you reduce diameter, you're really restricting the volume of the can. So, you know, now essentially you have like a surefire can with modern technology and under the handguards. Still, our goal with the Honey Badger, let's get this straight. The Honey Badger is a submachine gun. 
It is designed to replace the MP5 SD. The goals were to be lighter, quieter, more accurate, and have a supersonic option for ammunition where essentially you were capable of shooting and killing a man 200 yards away. Um, and we meet those goals. It's quieter than an MP5 SD. Uh, it's three pounds lighter thereabouts. I think uh, the Honey Badger with the long hand guard, the Honey Badger silencer, a 20-round mag, and a little pole delta point, or a little one of the small EOTECs, whatever they're called. And I, I don't want any criticism from anybody listening about me not knowing the current model of the EOTEC. Um, yeah, I don't really give a shit. Um, but that's around five pounds. I think it's 5.1, 5.2 pounds. And, you know, where the MP5 SD is eight and a half pounds. So that, that, those are the goals of this gun. It's not to replace your M4. It's to replace, you know, it, it's a legitimate gun, not the, you know, submachine gun, not that CZ Scorpion thing, which I love CZ. They make a lot of great products. I love the CZ 75. I love their bolt guns. That 9mm thing's a piece of crap. Um, you know, the MP5 is great, but it's very expensive, very complicated. 9mm, you know, in a gun that size is retarded. So, hence the Honey Badger, and that's where we are. All right. Uh, if you if you want the quietest option, get the short barrel, the short handguard, and get the full diameter silencer, either in the half or full Nelson. The full Nelson on that gun is closer to 120 dB with subsonic ammo. It's ridiculously quiet. Are you guys going to sell the Honey Badgers as a standalone without a can, uh, or yeah. do they have to be bundled with a can? So I see you had a day job and didn't do your homework. Um, Oh. <laughs> so well, the see, la last time we talked about this, you had told me directly that it would be a package deal. So I was going off what you told me last time. My yeah, bad. So, so I'm so smart because I change with the times. I'm a man of the people. Sure. So sure. the people spoke. I listened. I adapted. Um, no, so Tyler, we're, we're doing a, a, a 16 inch 556 Honey Badger that is available on pre order. We're doing a, a 16 inch 300 Blackout Honey Badger, which is available on pre order. Um, we're doing a 7 inch, which they all have 7 inch barrels, except for the 16 inch barrels, obviously. Um, a 7 inch uh, Honey Badger, which is an SBR, uh, with the Cherry Bomb compensator on it. Uh, which you can buy as an SBR, and then we're doing, and it has a short handguard, and then we're doing the original Honey Badger overall design, um, and we can talk to those improvements after this if you like, but it's a uh, 7-inch barrel, the Honey Badger silencer, full-length handguard, and that's a two-tack stamp gun that's available on the pre-order as well, so four guns. And it's 300 All right. All right. Uh... This person wants to know what Kevin thinks of Cerakote. Do you have feelings on Cerakote? Um, Apparently you do. Yeah, I mean, I don't. It, it's hard as a manufacturer. As a manufacturer, um, Cerakote really adds to tolerances, and it's not always predictable, and especially if you're doing some of those camo patterns and all that stuff. And I see modern outfitters and you know, Spoon Custom or some of these other companies that I like doing Cerakote, and that's cool for them, but you don't do it as a gun company doing what we do. Um, you know, we deliver, the Honey Badger is a little unique looking, 
and I, I like to call it, um, I don't know what I like to call it, but it's like a natural camo. We clear anodize everything for several reasons. It's not black, which is good. And adding color to the pigment, you know, adding pigment to the anodize, uh, you know, it makes the anodize worse. The clear anodizing is, is the best thing. The handguard, handguard looks a little silver because it's 6061 because you can extrude that very easily. And it turns out a more silver. Uh, all the 7075 components, because what is it, the copper content or some element in the 7075 that makes it stronger and makes it very difficult to extrude, makes it the gold color. And that's a clear anodize. And when so when I worked this deal with SOCOM back six or seven years ago now to, you know, design, do the honey badger, um, that's what we did because it was the best thing to do. And if guys want to Cerakote it after, go for it. You know, we're not going to Cerakote guns. Number one, it adds a lot of cost. Number two, it, most importantly, it adds to the tolerance stack. So, you know, Knight's Armament ran into this with the SAS rifle, the semi-automatic sniper rifle, the M110 for the Army. You know, do you coat the components? Do you coat the whole gun? It, it's a freaking nightmare for a manufacturer. And, you know, number one, the soldier doesn't care about it being all one color. They want camo. I don't care about it being all one color. I want the best finish possible. And that's kind of where we are with the gun. All right. Cool. Uh, this person wants to know, when can I pre-order the Trash Panda without getting it as part of the fixed cam uh, combo? Uh, I don't think, uh, you know, that's a good question. I don't know, but I don't think you can. I not, think it's not yet. I, th I think they're available. I think we're taking orders. No. No. Well, the only the only way, right now the only way to get a trash panda is with a fix. It is. And yeah, we haven't done the pre-order yet for trash panda. Oh, well, let me grab Jessica yeah. and we'll find out what we have, I mean, hey Ethan, how's it going? Pretty okay. Cool man. Sorry yeah. we're keeping you up so late. Yeah, it's kind of a bummer. Yeah. Sorry, I kept right. up so late last night, too. Yeah, sorry, we didn't do this last night. So we have Jessica Galvin in here. Please search her on Facebook or Instagram or Snapchat. Or oh. um, what's Bumble or uh, what, what's the other Tinder. one? Tinder. I don't have Tinder. 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 I'm classy. <laughs> Bumble's where you find new best friends. Um, yeah, that's right. So, <laughs> <laughs> so the question is... Um, When's there going to be a pre-order for the tr Trash Panda? Are we telling them? We're not yeah, telling them? The Trash Panda was on just the fixed pre-order. Yeah, so separate from the fix, the guy just wants a Trash Panda. How's he get it? Email me. We'll just get him, get him on. So is there going to be a pre-order situation no. for that? No. So they're available? One or two, just based on being able to oh, have yeah. All right. Yeah. I thought yeah. we were doing a pre-order, but no. If that okay, so we're not doing a pre-order, so we're accepting orders from yours individuals no, now. Bullseye has some. Well, yeah, they're the ones that we're forming right now. Yeah. Okay, yeah, so they're available. Just contact us or have your dealer contact us. All right. Easy Thanks enough. Uh, will 556 7-inch barrels ever be available for the Honey Badger? That, did you say 7-inch? Yeah, I threw up in my mouth. Yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> no, no, we're, we're, we're going to do 16-inch, you know, uh, we talked today about some shorter barrels, and I, I met some resistance from engineering. Um, 
You know, at the end of the day, I try to listen to them because, as you stated earlier in the podcast, they're the smart ones. But ultimately, you know, it's named Q because I named it. So we'll see. Um, you know, if a 12-inch, 11.5-inch makes sense, but a 7-inch, no. I mean, myself, I will say we are not doing that. Yeah, but I think if you look at all of the emerging requirements coming out of the military, They've all kind of backed off on 5.56 five, to 11 and a half inches. Yeah, with 300 blackout, the short barrel is the ticket. Yeah, and, but really, like, most of the most of the loads that are available for 5.56 five, really, really lose lethality under 11 and a half inches. So I, I'll be shocked if you see any actual real requirements come out from now on. Yeah. Shorter than 11 and a half. Is, is Barnes selling their 70 grain commercially? That's a question for the truth about guns or Kyle Key. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were asking the smartest guy in the room. Uh, I have no idea. I don't know who sells what. Yeah, so, I mean, outside of that, I would think there's no reason but, for sure than that. Um, even that, like... There's differing opinions, but for me, it's not something we have to do. I, I will, you know, we're selling the 16-inch guns because people don't want to wait. And there was a, a, a big distributor that was willing to order a lot of them. And it made it kind of made sense. Like, I think with NFA being such a freaking disaster right now, um, you know, I mean, thanks to the federal government, Josh Waldron and Knox Williams, I guess. Um, the 16-inch made sense for us. And 16-inch 5.56 makes sense. I don't hate it. Um, you know, and I, I don't love 300 blackout in 16-inch, but... You know, I do love anywhere from 12 to 6 or 7 inches of 300 blackout. Blackout. So, you know, that's kind of where we are. We're, we're not doing short, but, uh, you know, the idea is to sell the gun, and if guys want to do a Form 1 with a 16-inch gun, uh, they can have the gun, shoot it while they're waiting for their Form 1, and uh, for an SBR, and they can buy a short barrel upper off our website. Brown stick dynamite. Okay. So we should name something. <laughs> I'm sick of dynamite. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's it. What other questions you got? Two more. Uh, have Kevin tell you the story of the short-term SHOT Show loan he got from Reed Knight? Oh. Who asked that? Yeah, who did ask that? <laughs> <laughs> Your viewers are not. It's all, it's, it's all anonymous on the internet. Uh, yeah. Um, so I used to do this thing at AAC where I would give a cash instant rebate if you placed an order um, at Shot Show. And, you know, we were a small company and we were really growing. You know, we we're probably the largest silencer company already, but that's very small compared to now. Well, I mean, I don't know about currently, but last year. Um, and I think I would get 5% back cash or something like that. And, um, you know, I was doing okay at the time. So I took, I don't know, $250,000 in cash in my backpack to shot shows. Maybe it was 150. I think it was 250. And, um, went through the airport, had it in my carry on, obviously did it. And by like noon, the first day we were out of money. And uh, so we went to the bank that afternoon, got more.
more cash, which, you know, there's a limit if you don't call ahead of time how much cash you can get. And, um, you know, we got whatever we could get, 20, 50 grand. It was gone. Uh, Saturday morning went to the bank. Saturday at 12 went to the bank, got the last cash we could get. We're going to, like, all the locations in Vegas. So we're out of money. And SHOT Show went through, like, I don't know, Monday or Tuesday. And so, um, you know, Reed and I, Knight's Armament, there's two reasons I started working our industry, really. I mean, besides shooting a gun with a silencer. It was Knight's Armament and H&K. And not H&K now, which kind of sucks, but Jim Shots, Wayne Weber, H&K, back in the day, back in the 80s and 90s, they were fucking awesome. And um, I've, Reed Knight's always been a mentor to me. He's got, you know... His own kids and Trey works there. He's been one of my best friends most of my adult life. Um, but, you know, Reed Knight has gotten richer than everybody in this industry. And, which, you know, it's awesome because Reed Knight loves, you know, bad jokes, race cars, and cash. And um, has the best gun collection in the world. You know, has built all the stuff for all the special, you know, super, super secret spooks in the world. Um, you know, back in the day, and just did all the cool stuff that made me want to get in the gun industry. So, you know, I became friends. But Reed Knight's fucking rich. I mean, he's like, I watched a Dave Chappelle special the other night, and he's like, you know, he's got shut the fuck up money rich. And um, so he always, you know, carried some cash with him. And uh, and I also would not advise mugging him, if you're listening to this, because he also carries... Uh, yeah, a Smith like 642 or something. He can shoot. He's mean as shit. But he, um, so we're at Shot Show and we're out of cash for our deal. And um, I run over to his booth and I'm like, um, hey, Mr. Nye, I need to talk to you. And he takes me in the little conference room. He's like, what's up? And I said, uh, I need some cash. And I started to tell him why. And he says, I don't need to know why because you're going to pay me back. And I said, yes, sir, absolutely. I'll pay you back. And I pull out a checkbook, and I start writing a check. And uh, he's like, wait a minute. He goes, how much cash you need? And I said, I don't know, like 5, 10, 15 grand, whatever. He says, well, which is it? And I tell him, and he says, okay. And I said, I don't know what you got on you. And he goes, you just tell me what you need. And I said, okay. And I tell him. And I start to write him a check. He goes, what the fuck are you doing? You know, and like, Reed Knight's an intimidating guy. And I'm not intimidated by too many people at this point in my life. But, um... I am and always will be by Reed Knight, and uh, I really look up to him. And I said, uh, yes, sir, well, I'm writing you a check. And he says, am I fucking giving you a check? And, you know, I'm confused and scared, and I said, uh, no, sir. And he says, then don't fucking give me a check. And I said, well, okay. And he says, you said you're going to pay me back, right? I said, yes, sir. And he goes, well, I don't fucking care if you pay me back or not. But if you do, you pay me in cash like I'm about to pay you. Do you understand? I said, yes, sir. And he counts out the the cash. And it took him like 20 fucking minutes, the old son of a bitch. Like, he counted cash like he had never seen it before. And I'm like, god damn, man. It's like you'd think if you're a billionaire, you could count cash like, you know, the the girl that sells cigarettes at the grocery store. But no. And um, he gives me the cash. And... uh I say, well, I'll pay you interest. And he's like, I don't want your fucking interest. He goes, like, if you just pay me back, you pay me back in cash. I said, yes, sir, I'm going to pay you back. And he's like, I heard you twice the first time. I said, yes, sir, okay. So I leave, 
and we get home, you know, and I get to the bank, and I get his cash out, and then I'm like, huh, I'm going to be an asshole. So I, I, I get the cash. Well, I order him a cash counter, like kind of a high-end one, and I buy it for him for, like, the juice on the money or as a thank you, you know, and and I don't know, it was probably a 1000 bucks or so, and, and, and I buy it, and it comes in, and I wait for him to cash it in, and I, and I take the cash that he gave me, I got out of the bank, and I, I lit it on fire, just the top, so I wasn't, like, really a badass. I was just being a smartass. I lit the top of money on fire, and I take a selfie with it, burning the money. And uh, then, you know, of course, like a little bitch, like I pat it out real quick. And um, I put it in the box, with, and I wrote him, a, a, like, a personal letter saying thank you so much with a cash counter, and I mailed it to him. It's a true story. So a uh, long but true story. And so a few months later, I go down there for something, and uh, in his office, you know, like, I go back there, and he's fucking counting cash in the cash counter. And I'm like, oh, man, I'm so glad you used it. He goes, that piece of shit you bought me, I've already worn it out once. This is the second one. I just ordered it off Amazon or whatever. And uh, that was the story. Um but, you know, you would think somebody's got a billion dollars and have a cash counter. Man, I've never seen one before. And I sent him a cash <laughs> counter, so he still uses them now. I think he's on his fifth or sixth one. Greeting, Charis. What would you like to drink? Um, you know, I can't. I don't drink. So whatever you can want. Diet Coke? I'll have a Diet Coke. You? I would love one of those beers. All right, last question, Kevin. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. All right. Probably one of your favorite topics. Yeah, this question is uh, ask Kevin what he believes is the real reason why Remington just couldn't bring the Honey Badger to market. Or, essentially, anything great after he left. Fuck those guys. <laughs> I, I don't think that's well, part of the question. but <laughs> You know, I, I feel that, but most of those guys are gone. And it's really sad to me. You know, part of me, like, of course, I hate them. You know, it caused my family so much grief and me and whatever. Water under the bridge. Um, however, uh, you know, I just think I see it with Sig, and Sig to a lesser degree, and I love Sig, but also fuck those guys. Um, you know, I do not love Remington, and fuck those guys. But all these big companies, you know, they get private equity or they get, like, public debt, whatever they get, and they get some fucking dumbass from Black and Decker or Popeye's Fried Chicken or Home Depot or NASCAR or whatever to come in thinks he knows everything. And I'll tell you this, like, I am good at my job. Um, my job is very specific. Not very many people are better than me. I found my calling. As you've said, I am not the smartest person, even in this room, there's only two of us. But, you know, like at Q, we don't have that many people. There's probably two or three people I'm smarter than, that's it. Same thing at AAC. Um, they're just too fucking dumb, these big companies, you know, and especially since private equity got involved. You know, guys think that because they ran whatever at Black & Decker, they'll be successful in the firearms industry. And what I've learned over time, you know, um, at 43, is if you don't have a passion for what you're doing – it doesn't matter how smart you are. You know, I, I believe Michael Jordan was not the best basketball player in the world when he was in college, but he was passionate about it. Um, and he became the best player in the world as a result. And I think Larry Bird was a very average athletically 
you know, gifted person. But he was passionate about basketball, and he became awesome at it. And if you're not passionate about it, like this industry, you can't beat me. I don't care how fucking smart you are. Um, you know, and I just think they chase the dollars. And, you know, like you see now with HPA or NFA or just with ARs or with Trump being elected in general, the gun industry. It doesn't matter how smart you are. The market change, you got to, it changes, you got to be able to adapt. Um, you know, I think it, these big companies, they bring in these douchebag executives and they cut them deals for two to three years with big bonuses if they can make things happen now. You know, the difference is with myself or Reed Knight or Caleb Cry or who are some other good companies? You know, Magpul time to time, um, people who build precision guns, people who put their heart and soul in it, who love it, um, you know, can kind of see the market and they're going to adapt and they want to win and uh, you know, these other guys have these deals where all they do is push the short-term agenda, which fucks the employees in the end. And, um, you know, creates a lot of mediocre or trendy or part-time stuff. Um, you know, they didn't have anybody there at Remington, they're so stupid, uh, that understood what the Honey Badger was or understood what SOCOM was or could see the market beyond what it is today. Like, you know, the Honey Badger, oh, my God, we've already sold so many today, and the product's seven years old. It's just never been brought to market. We took so many things, and I get credit for everything, but at the time, it was even Robert Silvers, um, who was one of the guys in engineering. It was Ethan Lassard. It was Eric Burt, you know, who, who's the uh, engineer from Magpul or the industrial designer from Magpul that we hired. Um, oh, thank you, Doc. So a lot of these really, really brilliant guys where we developed, you know, the integral pistol that that, um, that Silencer Co. was doing, you know, we did that at AAC. You know, they have they have somebody from there consulting doing that pistol for them. Um, we were so far ahead at the time, uh, and it was just so far ahead that the guys making the money decisions were too fucking stupid to see it and to appreciate it and to fund it. And, you know, and I will say, like, I admire and respect Ron Cohen to some degree at SIG, the CEO. Um, but, you know, he put all his money into BB guns and optics. You know, he still, with his success at Kimber and at SIG, couldn't see the honey badger, couldn't see the fix. You know, he couldn't understand any of these things and the impact on the commercial market, short-term or, or long-term. And, again, you know, he's getting older and getting later in life. And, you know, I, my belief is even he is concerned about what, you know, happens the next two, three, five years as long as he works. You know, with, with me owning the company again, I'm looking two years, three years, five years, ten years, twenty years. Like, where are these guys going to work, what's our quality of life going to be, um, what's the industry now, what what should it be? You know, like, I don't ask the industry what they want. Like, I think we should all be good enough at our jobs to know what the industry should be and what the product should be and what they want before the customer wants. I mean, that's really what we should all aspire to be. Cool. That's like, yeah, a perfect answer. There you go. I wanted a good Kevin rant, and I feel like I got it. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, I mean, it's hard. Like, I've been in the industry 24 years, and I'm only 43. And, um, you know, the Remington thing was a great deal for silencers. It was a great deal for the consumer on one hand. On the other hand, everybody got fucked. You know, the employees and um, and the customers. But, you know, it was a a tough decision, and both sides benefited. So... Let's talk about uh, long-range hunting. Yeah. I know you want to talk about your New Zealand trip. That was the whole point of, you know, us sitting down to chat. Let's talk about your New Zealand trip. Uh, You took the fix hunting. And then uh, if we've got time, maybe we talk about hunting with SBR bolt-action rifles. Okay, so we'll get that pretty quick. Um, Yeah, I want to take the fix on a a good hunting trip. Um, My fiancé and I went to New Zealand for a hunting trip. Um, you know, I, I got into long-range shooting probably six or seven years ago, and, and I want to preface this whole thing was, I think there's a couple things that makes me good at long-range hunting. Number one, I was trained by Lindsey Bunch and Robbie Johnson, two of the best long-range shooters in the history of the world, in the history of the Army. They both won the International Sniper Comp. Robbie has won every sniper comp in the world. Um... Robbie holds world records or has held world records for long-range shooting. Um, That was my introduction to long-range shooting. So I have that advantage. So I don't want to portray that like I've got, you know, some, you know, natural gift or whatever, because I do not. But there's that. Um, And I wanted to take our new gun hunting. So I found a passion for hunting six or seven years ago. Uh, every year I hunt a lot domestically and abroad. And this trip I was very excited about. I went with a good friend of mine, Jared Joplin from American Position Arms. He builds, uh, you, you know, Remington based, uh, actions, custom guns. Probably, I believe, the best rifle builder in the world at this point. If you want a long range hunting or precision gun. Um, and, and just knowing him and seeing what he puts into it. And I'm sure, you know, I say that, and he's the guy I have exposure to, but there's a lot of good guys out there, but he's one of the best. Um, so I went, so my fiance and I went with he and his wife to um, New Zealand. And I went uh, on a stag hunt, and then I went, and that's on the North Island. I went on the South Island on a really fucking dangerous helicopter, um, tar and chamois, you know, which is like a high altitude goat hunt on Fox Glacier, which was incredibly dangerous. Um, so it was very exciting. Um, that did not require a lot of precision, um, probably more durability, but the stag hunting and, uh, what else did I shoot on the North Island? I shot stag. Yeah, I shot an elk, um, which was cool because Roosevelt, President Roosevelt, took elk to New Zealand, I don't know, around 1900 or something. And it's cheaper to shoot an elk in New Zealand than it is in America, which was cool. So shot one there. But um, I shot my first stag with a fix. Um, actually, my fiance had the first kill. It wasn't very far. It was inside 200 yards. Um, she shot it uh, 300-and-something pound stag almost 300 inches, huge stag, uh, with a 6.5, 20-inch barreled 6.5 Creedmoor uh, fix with the uh, Hornady gave us ammo. God bless those guys. They're awesome. The ELDX 143 grain, 
which worked incredibly well. Uh, she dropped one on this 100-foot ledge over a river, like totally sat down, so we, we were able to salvage the animal. Um, and inside 200, she, she got the first kill with the fix, the first big mammal. And then uh, I, the next day, shot a stag at, I think, 670 yards. Um, first shot, uh, the stag I, I was looking for. Um, and I shot two animals farther than that. One was uh, Rusa, which is another type of deer. I shot a hind at 950 yards with a 20-inch barrel, 6.5 Creedmoor fix, um, 143 LDX, Hornady rounds. Uh, first shot, um, it was incredible. That's the farthest. That's the farthest I've ever shot an animal. And people can talk all the shit they want. You can go out and shoot paper targets, steel targets all day long. You go shoot an animal at that range out in the wild. Um, and I tell you, the trip to New Zealand was great because I took a, a 308 fix with a, a proof research that sent me a barrel, and Hornady sent me some 178 grain LDX as their new ammo. And I shot that on the elk. They sent a helicopter out to find some elk. One day found some. I went out and shot one. It was only about 300, um, but I shot that as well. And, you know, they were, it's funny because the guys were originally concerned about me shooting 6.5 Creedmoor, especially at distance. And they don't let people shoot over 200 meters at that ranch. And uh, we went and shot a little bit, and I showed them I could shoot. And so I was allowed to hunt farther. And uh, the elk, dude, the one shot collapsed him, double-lunged him. We'll have some some video footage out in the next couple weeks about that. Um, the elk was, was great, but that was close. But that hind at 950, that's legit. And that fix carrying that thing around for two weeks in those mountains in New Zealand in the Southern Alps um, made me fall in love with that gun even more. The lightweight, the AR controls, that trigger is incredible. And when we make some money here, I'm taking these dudes on a good hunting trip. What's uh, what's your next hunting trip with the fix going to be? Uh, Africa. I'm going to Africa and then probably Russia or Hungary. What are you going to try to get in Africa with the fix? With the fix, I'll probably shoot a lot of plains animals because I want to shoot at distance. Because um, I'm trying to show, you know, like the gun's a modern hunting rifle, and it's also the first production precision rifle. Um so I'm going to shoot a lot of plains animals, and I'll shoot them at distance. Um, and I'm going to shoot some uh, dangerous game, probably a hippo, and I'm trying to decide on the other, probably probably uh, one or two others. Um, but I'm also I'm going to buy one of the Winchester 1895 repros that, um, you know, that's what Roosevelt used when he went to Africa and killed a lot of stuff for the Smithsonian and all the dangerous game. And he shot 405. But uh, I'm probably going to shoot 375 H and H, which is the minimum caliber. But uh, I want to shoot a hippo, and I don't know um, a lion or uh, maybe an elephant. I don't know. I'm going to shoot some something dangerous that can kill me with the gun that Roosevelt shot. So I'm going to go do that, and then I'll either go to Russia for a bear um, or Hungary for a stag or somewhere. What's uh? Are you going to take, as far as, like, stuff you're taking with the fix, are you still taking 308 and 6.5, or are you going to do it in, like, the short mag or the 338? 
Yeah, I'm going to – well, not 330 – well, the 338 Federal should get into that. Um, I'll, I'll probably take short mag. I don't know. I'm going to take whatever we sell. Like, I, you know, I'm not trying to game this whole thing and bullshit people. Um, you know, I've killed so many animals over the years. You know, there, I mean, there's nothing in North America I want to shoot with a 300 blackout. I think I proved it last year when I shot that 710-pound pig with a six-and-three-quarter-inch 300 blackout. Um you know, like I'll, I'll shoot moose with it. I'll shoot uh, a brown bear. I'll shoot anything with 300 blackout with the Barnes 110. Hornady makes a couple of good loads too. Um, but I, I'm gonna I'm gonna kill shit with whatever we're, ma- we're we're making. If we're making 260, 6.5, you know, the the 300 short mag, uh, 308. I mean, I, I'm yet to encounter something I can't kill with 308. Um, you know, there, there's cartridges I like better at distance because it's flatter shooting. But, you know, I locked up in New Zealand. It's very windy there, being a narrow island. But on most of my shots, I had minimal wind. Um, even on the 950-yard shot, like, I knew when I squeezed the trigger that deer was dead. Um, so, you know, if I train or I practice enough, I'm I'm confident with any caliber inside of a 1,000. Um, you know, I really love um, 300 Norma Mag, but the fix... The, the short action won't support that. Um, so, it, you know, when I go, wh- whatever we're making is what I'm gonna what I'm gonna use. So, uh, speaking of available calibers, uh, I did look at the website for uh, you this week, and I saw that uh, 338 Creedmoor is listed, which is not something that I've heard about. Do you want to talk about it? Yeah, we're exploring options for a larger 300 blackout type cartridge for AR-10 magazines. Um, 338 Federal, 338 Creedmoor, and a couple other options are still in the mix for what is actually going to go into the barrel that we produce. Um, The idea is to have a legitimate 200 meter subsonic precision option, as well as having a lightweight supersonic option. So if it ends up being a 338 bore um, with a 12-inch barrel, you can have 165 grain Barnes bullets going 24, 2500 feet a second. And in the same magazine or same cartridge, you can also load a 300 to 400 grain bullet at about 950 to 1,000 feet a second for an actual subsonic option at 200 meters. What's uh, what's your like preferred subsonic hunting bullet, Ethan? There's not really a good one available yet. Um, we're testing a couple of different projectiles, um, a couple that are modifications of what's available off the shelf and a couple that are our design but in the pretty near future we're going to have a 300 plus grain subsonic terminally performing cartridge available in a 12 inch well somewhere between 10 and 14 inch barrel and uh I know you're a fan of fast twist rates. What twist rate are you planning on for that uh, that 338 barrel? The correct one. 
versus a 16 or 18 inch barrel, which technically isn't a short barrel, but it's much shorter. Like a 16 inch 308 is perfectly adequate to 300 meters, which is well beyond what most people are shooting animals at. Yeah, I mean, I, I would use a 16 inch 308. Like, I, I, I killed uh, um, a mule deer at about 580 yards, I think, a couple of seasons ago, shot it in the chest, and I called it when I squeezed the trigger. Um, I mean, I, I would shoot anything with a 16-inch 308 of, you know, that size, 200, 250 pounds, 800, 900 meters. Yeah, honestly, 8 to 10-inch 300 blackout gets you up to about 150 with very good regularity to most animals in the U.S. Yeah, I, I mean, to me, if I were going to hunt a brown bear right now, I'd take probably 12 and a I mean, I would probably take whatever we're building because I know I can kill it. But, you know, my preference, if specifically for that, would be a 12-and-a-half-inch barrel, probably 300 blackout for the Barnes 110. Yeah. Like, that gets that gets me distance with with yeah. that gun. And that, you know, to me, it's kind of long, but that's really short, 12-and-a-half-inch. It's easy to carry. It's easy to carry a lot of ammo. That was the thing. When I was in New Zealand, man, hiking those mountains for days at a time and I you know I'm probably 30 pounds overweight right now way out of shape <laughs> <laughs> but um you know I was hiking through brush on steep mountains for four to six hours at a time with the fixed lung and never noticed the gun it felt like I was carrying a, a nine inch barrel m4 300 blackout which is generally what I carry at my farm Cool. You know, well, the thing is just, um, and, you know, working with Hornady, which is such a great company, and we work with Black Hills, too, which they're awesome. Um, but, you know, one thing that's helped is my success in advanced armament. But, you know, our success jointly with 300 Blackout. So Hornady, you know, was willing to make me ammo and start making, they made the first 300 Blackout ammo. When I worked for Remington, they wouldn't even fucking make it. Um, so Hornady is all on board, and they're more progressive, obviously. I think they're probably still family-owned. Um, and just an awesome company. Look at how much they've grown the last 10 years. Um, but they see hunting with short barrels. They see subsonic being more of a thing. They see hunting with silencers. And uh, hopefully they're going to help to get us there with, you know, not just the 338, but hopefully with short barrel 308 with the more 300 blackout options. Um, you know, that's really the way, the trend that the industry, including the hunting, hunting industry, is going. You know, like I follow Jim Shocking on uh, Instagram and follow his daughter, but really because she's hot. But um, he was in Tasmania New Zealand when, when I was. And, man, he's killing stuff left and right. And the latest picture I saw, I forget what animal it was, but he had a short barrel silence gun. And, um, yeah, that's what everybody in New Zealand, silencers aren't regulated there. That's what they do. And, you know, you see it happening here in America. And, you know, all we need is more short barrel terminally performing ammo, which we're working hard to, to help, um, you know, design the projectiles and uh, help the ammo companies develop them. And, you know, and Hornady is really on the, they're on the forefront of, of wanting to do it. So, you know, we're working with them. And you're going to see more stuff available, so it's going to open the door, whether it's, you know, I shoot a 16-inch, 6.5 Creedmoor, which some people think is stupid, but, you know, I've not had to track an animal with it. So, um, you know, and I know where my shot's going to go. 
and I shoot 16 inch 308, I shoot a 14 inch 308, I shoot a 12 and a half inch 308, and I shoot 300 blackout from six and three quarter inches to, to 12 and a half inches. Um, so I, I've had a lot of success. So ho hopefully that's where this trend's gonna go. And we're gonna offer uppers for the honey badger, and we're gonna offer shorter barrels and hand guards for the fix. So, you know, if you want to kind of try that out or fall in line with that trend, you know, you've got the ability to do it with the, the products we're offering thus far. Cool. Uh, last question was something you and I talked about this weekend, and it was, I think you had, like, a really good answer, so I figured I'd get it on the record. But we talked about uh, the guys at Gunworks making, like, you know, really expensive rifles that are, you know, a system. We talked about how, like, the fix is a, you know, relatively expensive rifle. Like it's, you know, a couple thousand dollars compared to like an AI or something, you know, it's very affordable, but it's still, you know, a pretty decent amount of money. Uh, but you talked about like valuing your time um, and how, you know, like a gunworks rifle makes a ton of sense given your yeah. you know, position in life. If you Talk think a gunworks rifle is expensive, you're stupid. You're either stupid or poor. Like I've been rich and I've been poor and I don't know. In one hand, I'm the richest I've ever been. On the other hand, I'm the poorest I've ever been right now. But, um, you know, if you can buy a Gunworks rifle, a, a, a kit for seven grand, and you think that's expensive, you're stupid. Um, you know, and I get that not everybody can afford that. You know, you know your vocation, your family situation, whatever. I mean, God knows I've been through it all. Um, but it, with Gunworks, that's a company, and I know not a lot about them. I don't know the owners, so this isn't something, you know, prejudiced or, you know, biased by, you know, the guy being my buddy. I don't know who the hell they are. Um, you know, the guy may be a huge asshole for all I know. But I really admire the company from what I've seen. Their presentation is incredible. I've seen a few of their products. And they deliver you a gun. Uh, a Night Force scope, which is a badass scope. You know, we, the company is good. I don't, some of their new products, I think they're making some cheap shit, but I think the guns that ship with the good products. Um, you know, they've got, what is that, a G something rangefinder? Uh, I forget the name of the company. Everybody always makes fun of me, but I just don't pay attention to stuff. But a really high end rangefinder, uh, with a ballistic calculator and all in it for your load, and they load you ammo. And it's like seven grand, and you get it in a hard case, it's ready to go. You open the box, you have ammo, you can dial and kill an animal at 700 yards, which I was with Leo Quintanilla, who owns Modern Outfitters, and watched him do it on his birthday. And never shot the gun, opens a box, loads a gun, shoots a deer at 700 yards with it. Not many people do that. I really honor and respect that company. That's an awesome thing to offer. You know, and, and, and like a good friend of mine is Jared Joplin from American Precision Arms. And again, probably the one, I would say from what I've seen, the best rifle builder in America. Um, you know, with that being said, he's a good friend of mine. But it's not biased towards that. If he was fucked up, I'd say he's fucked up. Like, I, I bought, as one of his good friends, three rifles from him, four rifles, last year or the year before, and they were six grand a piece. And I thought it was stupid expensive. And I went and, you know, I went and watched him do part of it. He spends a week on each one of the rifles. And if something, if he screws up a manor stock, he throws it in the garbage and does another one. Um, he is the only person I know if I buy something from him and it's 
everything is hand done, hand fitted, hand chambered, hand lapped, like everything. Um, if I get it from him, I know it's right, and he'll do loads for it as well. Um, and those are the things, you know, when I learned and saw what he did, his gun is a value. You buy an APA gun at six or seven grand, the gun's going to last you the rest of your life. If Jared tell, and he, he can shoot better than most people in the world. If he tells you the gun shoots a third MOA, the gun shoots a third MOA. He cares about it. He'll do a load for you. And I saw that with Gunworks, too, and I love that. Companies bring in innovation or just craftsmanship, and it's not bullshit stuff. Like, Jared, he's not doing magic. Jared's building, um, you know, his are defiance. They build them to his spec, but Remington-based actions, he buys proof or whoever's barrels he buys. He buys Manners or McMillan, whoever's stocks. But he hand-fits everything. And it, it's just like old-world craftsmanship. And I, I bought four guns from him. One's a, a long-range, uh, what's a 260 that I, you know, 26-inch barrel I shoot. Long-range, I love it. It's my gun. And I got a 16-inch with a carbon fiber manners folding stock and have proof research barrels, a 308, two that are just alike, and a 6.5 Creedmoor. You know, and I bought them all for my kids. And... um they're guns. I hope they have their whole lives. I mean, you, you know, when we were in New Zealand, he's using a Hoover or whatever trigger that is, a Remington 700 trigger. Like, retailing the trigger is like $450. Um, he just uses the absolute best components. I think he's sponsored by Swarovski, and he can shoot. Um, but it, it's interesting seeing that side of the industry, and I really applaud APA for the craftsmanship and developing stuff. And um, Gunworks for bringing technology and delivering the average dude. You know, it's like people say that's expensive. But, you know, it's like I do okay. I'm not the richest guy I know, but I do okay. But I ain't got the time to go out and do a lot of shooting and all that. I do it while I can. But, you know, if you're in, you know, Gunworks, I don't know how many kits they can build a year, but it ain't like Remington or Savage pumping out a bunch of shit. Um, you know, if they can buy a build a thousand guns a year, if you're a dude making three hundred thousand, a million dollars a year, whatever it is, and you get one week to go on a hunt, buy one of their fucking kids. And you know, I say this without knowing them. If they can deliver you a custom, now the one thing they should be doing is putting silencers on the gun. Separate from that, if they can deliver you a custom built gun with a rangefinder, ballistic calculator, and a nice force scope to where you can just range it and it tells you what to dial and you can shoot something at 700, you know, with the only variable being the wind, buy it. It is, like, my trip to New Zealand was probably, I don't know, 35, probably $50,000 if I had to guess. You know, you think I give a shit about a $7,000 rifle if it had been able to kill stuff at 700? Now, fortunately, I get to shoot and train, and, you know, I'm trained by, like, the best guys in the world, so I can shoot that far. But the average guy, what? Hey, you broke up a little bit. You said you were oh. being trained by the best guys in the world, and then you broke up. Oh, well, but if you're a guy that's an executive at a normal company, and you never get to go and train and shoot, and you want to go on a hunt, buy, buy a, an American Precision Arms gun or buy a Gunworks kit to where you can go out and shoot at distance, and they give you a load, and they give you what to dial. Do it. 
I mean, it makes sense. If you make forty-five grand a year and you work at Mighty Muffler, probably ain't the thing for you. But there is there is a reason these companies are successful, and it is a good value. It's just as good of a value as the Ruger RPR or whatever they call their gun for a guy that makes sixty grand a year. Cool. Uh, what did we miss? What did we not talk about? What do you? What else do you want to talk about? Um, no, I, I don't know. Do pre-order. About to do a pre-order. About to do a Instagram live. Uh, oh, right. Back IG live. My bad. IG live. Um, on the honey badger is finally coming to market. Uh, we got it worked out. The honey badger is badass. Um, you know, we changed some things on it from the original one. Um, got we got a fully adjustable gas block which the original didn't have. Uh, we lengthened the barrel from four and three quarters to seven inch to be able to get the accuracy with super and subs on it, get better velocity, and the Barnes 110 will perform out of this barreling. Um, you know, we meet the accuracy requirement of SOCOM, which was two MOA with supersonic, four, three, four with subsonic at 100. Um, what else is different on the gun? We've got a better mag well. Are we using lighter? It's lighter weight than the original Honey Badger. We have a pull-through stock rather than having to press the button like uh, the MP5 or whatever. Uh, we're using the American Trigger, whatever they're called, the AR Gold Trigger, which is a two-stage flat trigger, which is excuse me, which is durable and badass. Um, what else we got on it? That's probably it. Really good engraving. <laughs> yeah. Wonderful engraving, thanks to the lovely and beautiful and sexy Kimberly Lassard, who runs the laser here at Q. Yeah, that's her slave name. We can call her Kim. You can call her Kimberly if you want. Um, you know, that's it. That and the silencers, uh, we're just, you know, doing our thing, you know. Yeah, the silencer on this version of Honey Badger is way better than the original. We were struggling back then. Cool, man. Uh, so people can just go on uh, Live, Q, or Die and fill out the pre-order form and pick up a, uh, a Honey Badger? Yeah, and right now you get, you know, if you get one now, the ser- it's serial number to the gun, which is cool, and you, I think you save 100 200 bucks, something like that. We, we got five minutes. Well, you can get it going. There'll be people. Tune in. Sorry, we had an interruption from Jessica Gobbin, who you can look up on Facebook, Tinder, Bumble, or Instagram. Um, yeah, so, I mean, the new gun's better. Uh, you know, it's not knocking what Remington did. It's just, you know, it should be better six years later. And why those dumbasses couldn't get it together, I don't know. But uh, there's that. We've already done the fix pre-order. The fixes will be shipping here in a couple months. Um, I'm so proud of that gun. I'm so proud of this team. The fix changes our industry. And, he, you know, from the angle of a bolt gun, which no one anticipated. Um, and I love it even more, again, after going hunting in New Zealand with it. The gun's badass with AR controls, lightweight. The trigger is a glass rod. Um, you know, true modularity. Um, you know, and it's funny because they were filming a, at the ranch I was at. They were filming a long-range hunting show for some cable network while I was there. And... The longest thing they shot was about 600 yards. And, you know, I bettered that by 
um, with a gun that weighed about a third what theirs weighed. Um, so it's the future. So, you know, jump on the train or be left behind. Sounds good, man. Ethan, you got anything left to say? No. Come on, say something. I, I just did. Say something sexy, Ethan. Come on now. We need to go fishing again. That was fun. I enjoyed it quite a bit. Uh, I'm going to be on your boat this time. And, oh, actually, Kevin, last, Kevin, last question. In a wrestling match between you and me, who would win? <laughs> he doesn't remember. Sober? <laughs> Sober, yeah. I, I, break, I break one or both of your arms. <laughs> How about only one of us is intoxicated and it's you? <laughs> it's a toss-up. <laughs> You've been running half marathons. Um, one of us, one of us ends up covered in dog shit. I mean, is that a loss? I don't. Let one woman can be both. Um, no, come on, we can do some deep sea fishing on that. Oh, we should do ice fishing or deep sea no, fishing. Yeah, no, he's not gonna like ice fishing. Drinks? No, ice fishing. Fish. Yeah, you just yeah, you just sit around and you drink, and then maybe you catch a fish. That's oh, we can, do a, we can do an ice fishing podcast. You don't have enough clothes, oh. Tyler. We went duck hunting. <laughs> it was 50 degrees outside. You were shivering with all your clothes on. I have a... We'll get you some Arcteric stuff. Thank, thank you, Jesus, for our friend David Kramer at Uber Group, who represents the Arcteric military stuff. Uh, we will hook you up. Come ice Ooh, fishing. I'll get all art. Are carrots out? Do you ice fish in New Hampshire? Is that a thing? Yeah, of course. Everyone does. Yeah. Cool, man. Well, I'll come up in, like, January. Is that an ice fishing month? Is that the best month, or is it, like, February's prime ice fishing time? Mm, probably doesn't matter. I mean, I don't think you really fish. So, as long as we don't fall through mm-hmm. the ice, you can drink, and it's cool. Yeah, it's cool. whatever you want. I'll sit in the cabin and drink with you guys. Well, I'll let you go get to your Instagram live session. Thanks for making time for me. I appreciate it. Well, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. Watch your watch IG live. You can critique it. You can be honest on, on the little T tag. You know, everybody's <laughs> used to being a bitch on there. Go ahead and uh, let me know what you think. All right. Sounds good, man. Well, you guys have a good one. Appreciate it. Bye. Later, buddy. <laughs>